Well, today we are celebrating All Saints Day. All Saints Day actually was last Monday. Um, as those of you that were here at the All Souls Day service on Tuesday know, um, All Saints Day was last Monday. But in the prayer book, we move it to a Sunday because it's that important. It's that important that we think about the fact that All Saints Day is part of our story. Part of our story. It's a principal feast of the church. It's a major day. It's an important day. And why is it such an important day? Why are we celebrating All Saints Day? First of all, I think there's some confusion about what All Saints Day is. I've seen this over the years. So, All Saints Day is actually about those saints that, and martyrs that have gone before us but who are unknown. Who are unknown. Right, that's what distinguishes it from All Souls Day. I'll get to that in a minute. All Saints Day is for those who died, who, as we just sang in that wonderful children's hymn, which I got in again this year, Nick. Um, <laughs> we have a running joke about that. Some people love it, some people don't. But All Saints Day is, is, that, is, is about those that went through the trials, indeed, have gone through the tribulation, and have come out as saints, but whom we don't know. They're forever dear in, in the sight of the Lord, and of course the church triumphant knows who they are, but we don't. And so we honor them today. That's different from All Souls Day. All Souls Day, which the long formal name is the commemoration of the faithfully departed, is about those whom we knew, right, who have gone before us, maybe a parent or a grandparent, a spouse, or even a child. Those who have gone before us, but who were beloved and known to us. And, and so All Souls Day, we commend those to God. All Saints Day, we remember those unknown, and who, therefore, who, not, who do not have any other day commemorating them. But all these days work together to remind us that as Christians, as members of the church, as those found in Jesus Christ, we actually are stitched together in this rich fabric of people that goes back thousands of years. And so how fitting it is that today, on All Saints Day, we finish our sermon series entitled Patriarchs and Promises, right? We started with the great patriarch Abraham leaving Ur with his family back in Genesis, at the end of Genesis 11. And here in today's Genesis passage, we finish with him dying after 175 years. And I think as modern day Americans, it's really hard for us to consider ourselves connected to anybody beyond maybe a couple generations, even if that. We're so transitory, right? But here we are being reminded that, in fact, the great patriarch Abraham is our great, 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 however many we can put in there, grandfather in the faith. Right? St. Paul tells us that. He tells us that all throughout his epistles. That we have been grafted into Israel. We have been grafted into God's chosen people from the Old Testament. Look at today's uh, Old Testament reading very quickly with me. I want to highlight verse 7. Verse 7. 
These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. 175 years. And verse 8, Abraham breathed his last and died at a good age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. So this man lived 175 years, which is amazing when we think about it. And even if we consider lifespans 100 years old, 20 generations pass, at least, between Abraham and Sarah and the coming of Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Even if we're considering lifespans of length, generations pass between Abraham and Jesus. Is it any wonder that the psalmist writes in Psalm 8, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Even in the context of mankind itself, what is one person? What is one person? Even if he lives 175 years. And so even a great man, even a great patriarch, patriarch like Abraham is only a small part of the people of God. And today as we come to the end of this series, we see that while he's a small part, because of God's promise, he is a crucial part, right? It's because of what God does through him that he's of any significance. One of the wonderful things about the Bible is it doesn't lionize the people in it. Right? So oftentimes when you go to a funeral, you only hear the good story. Right? And rightfully so. We should speak well of the dead. I'm not saying anything else. But in Scripture, we see the good and the bad. We see in Abraham the good and the bad, right? And yet it's through God's promise that he's significant to us today. That should be both humbling and encouraging. It should be both humbling and encouraging. It's humbling because, indeed, without God, we are so insignificant. James talks about our life being like a vapor. If you've ever been to an old cemetery, you know just how insignificant people's lives are only a hundred years after they've died. Think about it. How many in your life can you remember? You might remember grandparents, maybe great-grandparents. But you walk through those old cemeteries, and those people had lives, those people had children, those people loved, those people lived, they suffered, they died. And yet, they're unknown to us, but they are known to the Lord. So why is this encouraging to us? It's encouraging because the promise of Abraham is the same as the promise to us today. We have this promise of faith, the promise of being chosen by God to be a blessing. You, friends, are chosen by God to be a blessing. And you are blessed by God to be a blessing. Look at our Gospel passage today. A lot of people preach the Beatitudes as uh, as prescriptive that you should be this way. That's completely wrong. 
the Beatitudes are not prescriptive. They are descriptive. At least in the blessing side, and certainly in the woe side, I guess. Look at Luke chapter 6. And he lifted up, that's Jesus, his eyes on his disciples. And does he say, to be blessed, you're going to do these things? No. He says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. What Jesus is saying here is that those that are chosen, those who are found in God, are blessed. You are blessed. I think sometimes we don't think about it that way. We always think about striving, right? And, and indeed, on this side of, of heaven, of course, we, we do strive to, to, to run the race, as St. Paul says, to, to reach the finish line. But understand that even in your striving, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are part of this blessed people of God. And so, looking back again at the Old Testament lesson, we see that God blesses Abraham. He blesses his line in Isaac, in Jacob, through King David, all the way to Jesus, who says these words in the Beatitudes. Right? This promise unites Old and New Testament. Jesus states that we are part of this blessed people. And did you catch the little turn of phrase in verse 8? Perhaps you did when I read it. Perhaps you didn't. What does it say about Abraham? Other than he died. Did you catch it? He was gathered to his people. Now that's a nice poetic phrase. But what if there's more behind that? What if that's actually a little breadcrumb pointing to the resurrection? Pointing to the ultimate blessing of being in the presence of God? I think it is. I think it is. That Abraham is gathered to his people, for indeed the dead are not dead to the Lord. They are merely dead to us. Finally, look at verse 15 quickly with me. we read in the Genesis reading about these many names, which I'm not going to read because I had uh, my subdeacon, Jesse, do it. You did a fine job, Jesse. So, but all of these people and the 12 princes and the tribes, notice even outside of the chosen people of God, these people are prospered by the Lord. And so indeed we see the fulfillment of the other part of God's promise to Abraham way at the beginning, that he would make him a father of nations, a father of multitudes. God is faithful to his promise, friends. I hope you, like me, can stand humbled in that knowledge. 
that you and I not just, are not just blessed by Abraham, but have been grafted into God's people through Jesus Christ by Jesus, the fulfillment of this promise. And so you and I are indeed saints. Saints bought with a price. Saints who are blessed. Saints who are going through the days of tribulation. And indeed, our epistle reading is to be an encouragement to us today. Look at the words of St. John the Divine in the book of Revelation. Verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. He said, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who's washed in the blood of the Lamb? You? Me? Those who have gone through the waters of baptism? Who have died to self and lived to Christ? And so look at the encouragement in verse 15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Do you see the promise of God to Abraham of protection there? He will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Do you see the promise of blessedness that Jesus says in the Beatitudes there? The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to the springs of living water. Now, I find this really hopeful. That, you know, so often we have these, this view of, of heaven and being with God as a long worship service. And if you were here last week, you got a taste of, you know, a lengthy worship service. Um, I have to say, Eve, that was, uh, that was wonderful, but it was a bit much even for me, right? And so, um, you know, here we have the promise that it's not just one long worship service, but that Jesus himself will be our shepherd and guide us in springs of living water. Do you see echoes of Psalm 23 there? That Jesus will guide us in springs of living water, that this, this increasing life of abundance doesn't end in the presence of God, but only continues and gets better and better and better. And finally, there's restoration. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This idea that God sees our grief, our sorrow, our tears. He sees what death does to relationships. He sees how sin hurts us. And that all will be restored. That all will be restored. He will wipe away those tears. There will be no more. Imagine what a life looks like in the presence of God, being led by Him to springs of water, worshiping Him in fullness, and having all of that undone, all of that pain undone. This Revelation passage is the end 
of God's promise to Abraham. It's where it all goes. It's one big story, one long trajectory. And friends, yes, you are just one little strand and fiber, and so am I. Let that be humbling unto you, but let it be encouraging to you. For God has made you with this purpose and will be faithful to you in His time. No matter what comes against you, when we come to the edge of death ourselves, we can know that God has gone before us and prepared a place for us in His very presence. Happy All Saints Day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.